We head out west for our interview this week, and we have some other major news for you on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Here I am back again this week, episode number 189 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick. The usual second half of this show, and Will is not here this week. He is away, and we'll be back next week, so we'll be back to business as usual then. But until then, we still do have a decent show for you because we have an interview again this week, and there is some other smaller news that we probably won't go into too much depth about just because, you know, it's kind of hard to discuss a topic when there's only one person here. And also, uh, after a approximately 30 minute long interview or it's only me and this week's guests talking i don't really think anyone here wants to listen to me talk too much longer beyond that so with that said i suppose we'll just jump right into that interview as i mentioned uh that is our interview of course that we mentioned last week with missoula paddleheads manager michael schlecht uh really enjoy talking to him really nice guy knowledgeable about the game uh, just generally an enjoyable interview to do and hopefully an enjoyable one to listen to. So we'll go right into that now. Here is our interview with Michael Schlack of the Missoula Pathpets. We are back again this week for another interview. And this time we have what I believe is our first manager to join the show and... He has the distinction of not only having the best record in the Pioneer League over the last two years, but also being on the cover of Good Life Magazine, March-April edition for 2018. Yes, I did my research on that and found that. And uh, we now welcome to the show Michael Schlacht. How you doing? I'm well. Glad to be here. Um, I have no idea how you pulled that Good Life Magazine thing out of your hat, but that was really good. <laughs> The only reason I found that was because I was looking for uh, for pictures for later on when I put up the the title card for the show, and I found that pop up, and then I read the article too. So nice, so, yeah. That was that's an oldie right there. That's a, that's a throwback a few years ago. Yeah, no, I'm surprised I found it. So I had to bring it up once I found it. But uh, yeah, so you've been involved in a lot of the uh, independent leagues, obviously uh, having pitched in the Atlantic League, and I think a little bit in the American Association, although that was more brief coaching's more your yes. game on that one there uh and then the pioneer league as well so i guess the best kind of jumping off point here is uh what's kind of like your noticeable difference between the three leagues you know because i imagine there are differences obviously there's a difference between a uh being a player and a coach in these leagues but i imagine there's still things that are kind of similar and that you do kind of make note of yeah. Um, so the Atlantic League, you know, we can start over there. Atlantic League uh, obviously is the most experienced league there is. Um, I think we all know that. So, you know, having that, the, the players in, in those lineups on those pitching staffs, a lot of them played higher level uh, minor leagues, many of them 40 man roster, even big league guys. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the one league that stands apart, you know, from the other simply for the fact that there are a ton of, former big league guys there um frontier league um american association 
are i would call them like mid-level indie and i just mean that simply by experience you can have more experience in the american association even than you can in the frontier um you know i know there's a couple different little age limits and things with with the with the frontier league and then the pioneer league is i would say uh, the youngest Mm. independent league and it's uh you know i know its sole purpose was initially to be a developmental league um and so you can have four years of pro experience or less in the Pioneer League. Yeah. And so it's going to have a lot younger players. Uh, a lot of them haven't even gotten a, a shot in minor leagues um, from an affiliate standpoint. And a lot of them um, a lot of them have. It's just more limited. You have the occasional guy that's gotten to double A, but they would have had to do it pretty quick. Um, so the majority of those guys are rookie ball, A ball guys. Um, and so as you go across the spectrum of indie ball, you know, the main difference is, is the experience level of the players. Um, I've seen incredibly, uh, you know, yeah. incredibly, um, competent players across all levels of those. Um, and that's been the cool thing is this kind of watch this independent ball landscape grow and yeah. to kind of watch Major League Baseball realize that this is a legit place, no matter what, um, <clears throat> no matter what league you're in to find a player that can help you. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing um, players from every league get taken and a lot of them are making it to the big leagues. So it's been a fun journey. I imagine it has been. I mean, that is really one of the fun parts of the indie ball landscape is you just have these guys that seemingly, they they just kind of come out of nowhere for lack of a better term. And then they go and they prove themselves in what is, you know, far from easy conditions. And then they go out and then sometimes you have those guys that do make the major leagues. And it feels like that journey is, you know, it's obviously difficult for everyone that gets to that level. But for them, it seems like it's an extra bit special. And so I, I suppose on that level, I guess what's so far been your experience coaching in the Pioneer League? Because that's obviously uh, the league so far that you've had the most success in yeah. having, if I'm not mistaken, the best winning percentage in professional baseball this past season. They're losing only 26 games. I mean, that is an, one amazing feat to accomplish over about a, a 9,600-game slate. I mean, that's it's truly impressive. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it's um, – yeah, both years you know yeah. 2021 we won the thing last year we were the runner-up mm-hmm. um you know but the coaching staff the players i mean it's it's fun to, to work in that environment um missoula is an amazing place from top to bottom from ownership all the way down um and and i feel really blessed in that way yeah. that i get to to work for them um but i think that my experience in the Pioneer League has been amazing. It's, it's, I'm not going to call it underrated. That's not the right word, but it's just new. It's, it's a newer, it's a newer league on the scene. I coached in the Pioneer League at, uh, when I worked for the Milwaukee Brewers, I was with yeah. Rocky Mountain. Um, yeah. and, and, and while I was there, I said, this is my, my absolute favorite league I've been in. You know, this is my 18th year in Pro Bowl total. I mean, the Pioneer League was my favorite to that point. And a lot of it was the views, you know, the Mountain West. Um, these towns um are hungry for for baseball they love the local team you know yeah. it's, it's like their major leagues and so the turnout fan wise has been fun the, the rosters are super competitive you know now that it's not a short season anymore these teams these towns are getting to know these players because there's yeah. not huge turnover there are in a lot of cases but but a lot of guys come back for the next year whereas a lot of times you don't see that with the 
with a major league club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've, I've just loved the league. I mean, the players are super competitive. It's just that a lot of the major league scouts and teams haven't heard of these players yet. They were either yeah. looked over in the draft, um, or, you know, some of them got drafted and got a quick look in, in affiliated ball. Um, mm-hmm. and so this has been a cool place where younger talent can come resurrect their career, get it started. Um, and I was shocked, um, once the managers, once the teams, once everybody started figuring out what the independent landscape looks like, how to find players, how to build a network, things like that, how quickly the Pioneer League became super competitive. Um, and that's been the most fun thing to watch is, is the, the league office, uh, doing a great job to support the managers and the teams and the towns to see the owners buying in, to see the fans buying in. And now you have a collection of towns in the in the West that feel like they have a professional team that they can root for, um, where they're going to know the players, really attach themselves to it, and the, and the culture of these towns is changing. and And I noticed that from twenty one to twenty two, you know, yeah. the fans remember some of these players, the fans remember the managers that came back and, and it's kind of creating a rivalry in the, in the league. Yeah. And I think we're starting to make a name for ourselves as well, just as more players get signed. So I've been, it's been fun to watch that process unfold. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it, it has seemed like this league has taken just great strides just from 21 to 22 there, where you could tell like the first year they're trying to kind of figure out how this works. And then I certainly saw over the course of the year, they kept adding on and just keep, doing more to really say all right this is the new path we're going to have to forge this is how we're going to do and they've done a a fantastic job uh, from the outside looking in so far certainly and so you touched on the the culture of baseball in these marks and that was something i definitely wanted to ask about which was more so specifically about missoula Uh, what's the kind of culture of baseball like there and building a team in the pioneer league i imagine also is a little bit different because at least with you know some of the other leagues, the Frontier, Atlantic, and and American Association, their travel isn't quite as bad. But when you look at the landscape of the Pioneer League, you have teams in Montana, you have teams in Colorado, you have teams in Utah, you have teams all over the place. So I imagine that also is a, an element when you construct a team is trying to get these guys into uh, into the league, understanding the full landscape of it. Plus, with younger players. I, I do wonder how it, how that room is too when you're dealing with guys that are more, you know, in their say early to mid twenties as opposed to guys that are in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, you know, we can hit on all that. I think yeah. the, you know, the first part of that is, uh, what I found is that players, um, players that want to play are going to show up and, and they aren't going to be too worried about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have never been to Montana. They've never been to that part of the country. Some of them are from that area, but a lot mm-hmm. of them aren't. And it, at first they're like, wow, that's kind of a cool thing. I could go play baseball there. And, um, they enjoy it, <clears throat> you know, and they're riding on a bus and they're looking out the bus window and they're seeing parts of the country they've never seen before. Um, a lot of the players, parts of the world they've never seen before. And, uh, it's really cool, you know, specifically to Missoula. Um, the culture is electric, I would say, to say the least. Um, Samuel Boyd, uh, Sammy B is what we call him. He's our on field guy. He does an amazing job. You know, we have this thing called the peanut inning, which all the opposing managers hate. Um, yeah. In the sixth inning, everybody chants peanuts. If we score a run, we get the peanuts. And, you know, it drives people crazy. But it, it gets the fans going. And, and, you know, if we score, it's loud. I mean, 
you know, we don't always have the, the biggest crowd in the Pioneer League in Missoula, but the ones that show up are super loud and they love to have a good time and they love to support us and it, it's loud and, and they love it, um, which is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's the way a lot of the towns are. I mean, you go to these places and they show up and if you're on the road, they show up ready to, to remind you that you're on the road. And, and so it teaches these guys mental strength, you know, and, and yeah. it teaches them a lot of things that they're not going to find, um, in the minor leagues. And I think the biggest adjustment for a lot of these guys, not necessarily the ones that come from good college programs, but the ones that come from affiliated balls that they're realizing quickly, independent balls about winning. Yeah. We're going to develop you. We're going to help you. The younger age of the pioneer league is such that we can still teach them and they're will not that older guys aren't willing to be taught. Yeah. You just don't have to teach a guy who's been to double A, triple A as much mm-hmm. about the game of baseball that you do to a younger guy. And so it takes a special kind of coach. It takes a person that wants to be developmentally based, but also wants to win. Um, and that's what the Pioneer League is. It's We're going to teach these guys, help these guys get better. You're going to have to deal with mistakes that an older player isn't going to make, but that's okay because you end up seeing that improvement toward the end of the year, and it ends up leading to wins. And so the biggest adjustment for a lot of people is, um, oh, wow, Like this is all about winning. Like, I'm going to get better, but I have to be ready to go. It's an intense playoff style, um, you know, kind of atmosphere from the get go because that's what the owners want. That's what the towns want. They want to win. And it, it just wasn't that previous. So it's been a cool shift for the league. Um, but the players get to see a new part of the country in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, my experience is they're not too caught up in how long the bus rides are. They're just ready to play ball. Yeah, that, that's part of the appeal for me when you look at indie ball is just the fact that you know when those guys step on the field, they're trying to win. And I've said it before in the show, and I'll continue to say it. Whenever I watch affiliated minor league baseball, it doesn't feel the same to me because I know the end goal for the guys on the field isn't necessarily winning the game or winning the league at the end of the year, which, I mean, I'm sure every player they want to win at the end of the day, but they understand our goal is more to get better and move up to the next level. Meanwhile, on the independent league level, it's always you have to do your best. You have to go out and do everything because you first off never know who's watching when that opportunity is going to come. And then secondly, because you're here to win. that That's your goal while you're on this level. So that that is such an appeal to me. And I think that's really uh, I think that's one of the positive changes in the Pioneer League markets is now knowing that these guys they're going to be here for a while, like you said, and uh, and they're going to try and win a championship. So that is certainly an appeal there. And I'm just wondering for you personally, is there any road trip in the Pioneer League or any ballpark in particular that you uh, like to visit? Any trip that you go, oh, we have them on the schedule. I'm really looking forward to that. Or are they all just, you know, just a business trip to go there and uh, get the job done, get the win and head back home? Uh, I, you know, I love all the. I love all the road trips there. Um, my family comes with me um, on oh, a nice. lot of them, so it's it's cool family time for me. But, yeah. you know, anytime you're driving through Montana, you're driving through Utah, you know, you're driving through these beautiful places, it makes going to the next town really cool, you know, really yeah. awesome because you're able to, you know, see these expansive mountains and these, you know, you're, you're up at this high elevation and... You know, then you pull into a town that, you know, is, is cool. Like, I don't know. I've always, I love going to Ogden, uh, yeah. which is, you know, it's a fun place. They yeah. do a good job. You know, the fans, uh, love the game, 
you know, that's, that's a nice place. Billings is a cool park. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them. I mean, when I was down at Rocky Mountain in Colorado Springs, that was a cool place to be. Um, yeah. you know, you got Pikes Peak in the background there and it's, yeah. I don't know. I would say my favorite outside of Missoula is probably going to Ogden. We haven't been in a, in a couple of years. Um, but I, I do, I love that one. I, I would say that's my favorite place to go. Yeah. No, that, it just, the more you say, it, the more these road trips do sound a lot cooler. I imagine that's a really fun way to spend the summer traveling around all these, uh, different beautiful scenic locations and either playing or watching or managing baseball that's yeah that that's going to be one great way to uh spend the summer there so uh i am going to backtrack a little bit and just go back to before you were in uh, missoula and before you joined the brewers organization you were in fargo for a couple of years there so i'm just wondering if you could go ahead and just spend a little bit of time talking about your experience in Fargo because I'm sure there's a decent amount of Red Hawk fans listening that would be curious to know what that was like both as uh, the pitching coach in Fargo and then later as the manager there yeah so um, I got to Fargo in 2015 Um, Mm -hmm. in 2014 I got my first chance to coach I went from player to coach there in Amarillo with Bobby Mm -hmm. Brown who was my hitting coach last year Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, Bobby's over in Ottawa now Mm -hmm. Um, but I uh I got to Fargo um, in 2015 as the pitching coach, and I was under Doug Simonick, who is one of the winningest managers in independent history. Uh, the guy is and continues to be an absolute legend in indie ball. And to sit in the dugout next to him uh, from a baseball standpoint and learn, you know, how to coach, really. Like, what, what do you look for? What are you watching? What are, like, what do I need to be doing as a pitching? Cause he took a flyer on me as a, as a, as a young pitching coach. Like I had never done it. I knew I wanted to do it, but he took a chance and, and he, um, you know, just by a little bit of osmosis and a lot of teaching yeah. him and Jeff Bittiger, who's one of the, the player personnel guy there, yeah. uh, both taught me the, the game from the coaching aspect. Um, and I spent a few years doing that, um, and then became the manager. I mean, Fargo is an amazing place. Newman Outdoor Field's beautiful. The support is amazing. You know, you know you're going to have a big crowd. You know they're going to love the Red Hawks. And then, you know, it's it's where I grew as a coach, um, and I learned the game, and kind of trial by fire over and over and over and over for the years I was there. Um, you know, and, yeah. and my last couple years there, hired Anthony Renz, hired uh, Chris Coast as the hitting coach, and to watch both of those guys do what they do best which is lead people and coach the game and build a a solid culture has been so fun from afar because i love those guys those those two guys are like my brothers and and then to win a championship this year man i was i was watching the game on the edge of my seat you know cheering those guys on because you know it's hard indie ball is so hard because of the recruiting and and losing guys and having to make the adjustment on the fly uh but fargo is where i learned all that um and and uh you know it was a it was a good chapter in my life it was a needed chapter in my life to to become a better coach um and uh i'm thankful for for my time there yeah that that series last year to win the championship watching that whole game was just it was crazy watching it unfold and i know uh there was a lot of people especially kind of on my sphere of the internet that were watching that just almost baited Beth just the back and forth of that game so I can only imagine for you that you know knows the people involved and has somewhat of an emotional stake in there how yeah. how that was it uh, was so fun and and 
you know, uh, a lot of the guys on that team were in the league when I was there. They were just yeah. on different teams. But the mainstay is Leo Pena. You know, yeah. he was our third baseman. And Leo, uh, you know, he's an amazing guy. And, yeah. you know, like he was our third baseman when his first child was born. And then, like, I saw the kids on the field after. Yeah. Like, it's it's so surreal how quick time goes um you yeah. know and where this game takes you and and how that web of connections that you build you know that's that's part of what makes indie ball work you know like yeah. I, i'm i'm glad i was in fargo i'm glad i'm in missoula but it's like you know your rolodex and your web of contacts and who you can reach out to like you just start knowing everybody and it's a lot of fun oh yeah it absolutely is and so with that i only have like one or two questions left to left for you and then i'll give you some time at the end to you know uh say anything you need to say but uh, the main question that I've left is kind of when a player walks into your locker room on day one, what is that experience like? What, what for that year is that room going to be like? What's kind of your coaching philosophy? Because I imagine it's changed a little bit over time from when you first started in Fargo to now, but overall there's going to be things that just remain the same, that remain constant. So I'm just kind of curious what that, uh, what that kind of atmosphere and uh, mentality is in the room. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, I would call it laid back. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, And I like to set boundaries and Mm -hmm. I like to set guardrails, so to speak. Um, Within my boundaries, within my guardrails, I want you to be you. And so I make that very clear. Everyone is an individual. Everybody's a, uh, everybody has their own learning style. Everybody has their own flash or swag or whatever word you want to use. Yep. Um, I want you to be you first off, yep. um, within the boundaries of what our organization expects. And so there's a freedom there. I think they realize when they walk in right away that they get to be who they are. They get to play their way. Um, you know, they're going to get better, but, but there's a freedom to be themselves. So my goal is to learn who they are as people, what makes them tick, what their upbringing was, where they're from, because all of that is so important to getting the most out of an athlete. They need to know that they're cared about, they're understood, and that I love them as people, because then I'll, you know, without that foundation, I'll never get to actually lead them. And so I try to establish that foundation right away. I have an open door policy. I like to talk about stuff. Um, that has nothing to do with baseball. And I think that we all have this amazing platform that we've been given, which is baseball, them as players, me as a coach, that allow us to impact lives, allow us to put on a show for fans, and allow them to chase their dream. Um, in the dugout, um, you know, I want them to know, and they're going to find out real quick, that they're not going to be shown up. Um, they're going to be coached up. They're not going to be shown up and there's not an emotional roller coaster with me. Like this game is about winning. It is my job. It is their job for the summer, but also it's not the end of the world. If something doesn't work, like we're going to prepare the best that we can. We're going to work as hard as we can, but the results are going to be what they're going to be. We've watched this in baseball in the playoffs already. Two of the best teams, the Braves, the Dodgers. Like they're out because yeah. baseball happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like things will happen. And so they're going to, they're going to be able to be who they are. They're going to be in a laid back environment. There's going to be high expectations. They're going to have to work hard. They're going to have to do the little things right and be a pro. Yeah. But within those guardrails, they have the freedom to be themselves. Yeah. So 
just put the work in and then what comes from it will uh will come from it but absolutely yeah it's such a great mentality to have and it's the it's obviously a winning and successful mentality too so uh, on that note i do know you have to get out of here in a couple minutes so i will give you the last few minutes here to you know if there's any topic you want to go back to if there's anything that uh, didn't come up that you want to come up uh or if there's just something that uh, you, you want to say i'll give you the time to do that now as we do every with every guest so uh yeah. the, the floor is yours stand this off no, I appreciate it. Like I said, I love what you're doing because I love independable. Um, appreciate it. You know, I, I think that it needs to be talked about more and platforms like yours are a wonderful way to do that. And, and it's, it's fun to listen. Um, I know it's hard on you guys because you guys are East Coasters. And yeah. so to, to catch these pioneer league games, it's going to disrupt your sleep schedule, but it is yeah. a fun league and you know, it is about winning and it is about development. But, yeah. but man, like when we have, um, people, like yourself and, and like this, like the platform that you have promoting independent baseball, it helps because, um, I think that there's this hidden aspect of this game that people will realize when they get into independent ball and they start following a team is that it is pure baseball. Yeah. Like it's about winning. Um, you're recruiting, you find a guy, you bring him into your organization. He embodies what you're about or he doesn't. Um, yeah. and then, you get to um you get to go to battle and it's fun and and i appreciate all the work that you're doing to to keep independent baseball at the forefront and and um it's uh it's a pretty cool thing to watch as as this game kind of grows together uh and, and because of people like you that are promoting it so i just wanted to thank you for that uh, hey man i appreciate that i really do i mean that's that's our goal here is just to kind of promote and you know build up the game build up the different leagues and build up the different teams to just try and you know make more people aware that there are really good people in the independent league level this isn't just some random you know kind of bush league that just has weekenders <laughs> that are doing the nine to five and then doing that that these are legitimate well, and, professionals yeah and and I th you know I, I'm gonna be honest with you when I stopped playing um when I I was with the Rangers when I stopped yeah. playing and I I went to the Atlantic League uh, I'm guilty of that by yeah. the way I was like I don't want to go down there you know yeah. like I I had this like really prideful thought about yeah. that and and I got there and I realized really quickly that it was the I, that became the most fun I had ever had yeah. in baseball because of all the things we've already talked about today yeah. um you know and and a lot of those guys I still talk to to this day and that was you know, 11 years ago, however long that was like, it's, um, it's amazing what independent ball does, you know, and then just to watch the guys go from undrafted backup type players to, to what they're doing. Like, like Jason Newman, my first baseman, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people that follow indie ball know what he did this year. Oh like, yeah. He didn't even start at Cal Northridge. Like he, he backed up, he was the backup first baseman. Right. And like, yeah. but that type of story and, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying that he gets a chance in affiliated ball, but like that type of story where it's like, didn't really play, you know, a couple teams reached out to him. He ended up coming to Missoula. You know, he yeah. broke all sorts of records that have stood for many, many decades this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and, yeah. and he's put himself in a position to be seen by major league scouts that he didn't have before. Yeah. Like that's why literally why we exist. Like I have a ring and we won a championship in 21 and that was fun. Like this year we had a great year and you know, you, you hit on the winning percentage. Like that's yeah. neat, but that stuff fades away. Yeah. Like what doesn't are is the impact that independent ball can have on a player 
what impact I can have as a coach on a player, how we can shift the trajectory of their life through the game. And they leave saying that was the most fun I ever had in my whole life. And that's our goal. And so indie ball is awesome in that way. And I'm just glad that because of platforms like this, people get to figure that out slowly. Yeah, I know. I know Jason's one of those guys that I really want to get on and we're going to try and get him on in fairly soon, probably within the month. But I know he's also a guy that, in particular, whenever I get asked by, you know, some of the Winter League teams, they're like, hey, is there anyone you'd recommend? He's one of the guys I'm like, you may not have heard of him, but he did a lot of really good and interesting things this year. I take a look at him. He's one of those guys. So Yeah, I think, you know, and, and like a big question for him and for a lot of hitters in this league is, well, it's, is it because of elevation? Yeah. You know, is it is it the high elevation? Is it the thin air? Is it small? Like, what is it? Yeah. I mean, it's still baseball. Yeah. Like, hitters can hit, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. like, there's guys that come in the league and they can't hit. And it doesn't matter. Elevation isn't helping anybody. Like, if you can hit, you're going to hit. If you can pitch, you really got to pitch in the Pioneer League. Yeah. I, like, think I that, get that. But, you know, um, that's, you know, that's something that I'm hoping scouts are starting to see because they're getting these hitters that put up astronomical you know stats yeah. in, our, in our league but then they go to affiliated ball and the scouts are like i don't know are they going to be able to hit because it's at elevation and then they they do they hit there yeah. and people are starting to figure out maybe it's not all just the elevation you know maybe it's the fact that the pioneer league is actually getting really good players um yeah. and that's that's the the tide that i'm hoping to shift as well um is that these players are actually legit like that there's no you know and maybe in some cases the elevation is hitting on them a little bit but you know, in the most most of what we're seeing is that there's some legit young players that nobody's ever heard of. And uh, it's fun to watch that. Oh, definitely. It's definitely watching these young guys kind of take root there. And I know for me, part of the reason Pioneer League took a, an extra interest for me this year is I knew one of the guys, like I went to high school with one of the guys that was on Boise, if I'm not mistaken, to start the year. I don't think he wound up finishing the year there, but I was like, oh, wow, I know this guy. <laughs> and that's, that's cool. That was kind of weird for me, but uh, I know you have to get out of here, so I'll let you get out of here. Uh, you have uh, more than open door invitation to come back on, especially as we start to get closer and closer to the season. We, I'd love to have you back on. That'd be awesome. Well, thank you again for the opportunity, and I appreciate all you're doing. Once again, I'd just like to thank Michael Schlapp for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, and would love to have him back on Again, when we get either closer to the season or once we start to get into the season, just to, you know, kind of talk some more Pioneer League baseball, some more uh, Missoula baseball, and just baseball in general. He's a very knowledgeable guy, as you can tell. So it is uh, definitely uh, a fun interview that I enjoyed doing, and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to. On that note, uh, we do have some smaller news here. I'll just kind of give you a rundown, a general overlook of it. And maybe some immediate reactions to these uh, news topics here. Again, I don't imagine this goes on for too much longer here. Just because now, at this point, I have to imagine uh, just the sound of my own voice is getting to uh, be a little bit too much for some people here. And the lack of that back and forth. I just don't know how much uh, people enjoy that. So, uh, with that said, uh, we have... A new stadium going up in Shreveport, Louisiana, a location that previously was in the American Association and is certainly in their footprint still. 
I think that could be a very interesting situation to watch develop. Uh, if for no other reason than if there is not a affiliate team going into that stadium, it's obviously going to have to be a uh, independent or partner league team. I don't quite think the Atlantic League would want to do this move again where they put one team way out away from everybody i.e. Sugarland, uh, just for travel reasons and the fact that they're looking elsewhere to expand. And it's not like this is a next year, you know, 2023, 2024 solution. This is probably a 2025 or 2026 uh, outlook on that particular uh, ballpark that's going to be constructed in Louisiana there. So you would immediately start to look to other teams. It doesn't really fit the Frontier League's blueprint unless they want to start doing more of a southern move. But again, they're, they're clustered really with uh, your Canada, your Metro New York area, and your Metro Chicago area. Those are really your big three areas where, where you'd look to expand because that just is where your footprint already is. And likewise, you have some, of course, scattered throughout here. You have your Evansvilles and your Florences that are, you know, not really fitting those, uh, those Metro population definitions. But at the same time, it's still the overwhelming majority that are in those greater metro regions. So it wouldn't really make much sense uh, for them to just throw one way out away from everything else. Like by process of elimination kind of leaves the Pioneer League, which again is not that area of the country. They are more, you know, your Western, Northwestern really uh, areas. So it would have to be the American Association. And it would, in theory, help out Cleburne at least because you'd have more of a geographic rival. I imagine it would become their shortest or one of their shortest road trips almost immediately. Now for the rest of the league, you know, it's still a very long road trip, probably not the best one there. And if you're going to do that kind of expansion, you need another team in there for symmetry reasons, of course. And naturally you'd want it to be more towards that Cleburne region because then at least it's 14 with three in the south kind of there you could uh you could work it in such a way where you could have a north and a south division again and make it all work out there so uh it's certainly something to watch here and certainly if you know Shreveport were to be affiliated that would then mean that one of the markets currently that is affiliated would most likely lose their you know, their uh, affiliation. I'm trying to think of a different word to not uh, keep using the same one over again. But but they wouldn't be with a major league club anymore. And that could open up possibilities for a lot of different leagues. And as we know, you know, every league's open to the thought of expanding and probably the Frontier League's in the most need for that. So that way they can stop trotting the Empire State Grays out there uh, year after year as it would seem to appear right now. So that's something to develop. But while we're on the topic of stadiums, Hagerstown also broke ground this past week. Construction is beginning. This is, you know, obviously something that is huge. We talked about a couple of weeks back. Uh, there was being a holdup because of some land rights. That's been sorted out. Shovels are in the ground. Stadium is going up. And hopefully um, when we talk about this uh, in a year's time, it's right on schedule. So that way in about, 18 months we can be seeing the first pitch at this new Hagerstown ballpark in the Atlantic League so that is certainly something that is uh, good to watch uh, likewise uh, we'll switch over to uh, new hirings there are two of them this week and uh, these really are the last two things we have Jerome Duchamp is going to be the new uh, GM of the uh, Three Rivers Eagles or 
La Trois Rivières Égales. This has kind of been a trend over the last handful of years with uh, Three Rivers. They've not really been able to keep too much... uh, too much of the same people in that front office. There's been that the turnover, as I mentioned. It's it's been noticeable now. So hopefully they can find some stability here. We'll go into more detail about this hiring later on uh, next week, of course. But uh, hopefully again, Jerome does a good job. Uh, meanwhile, also in the Frontier League, but on the field now, uh, the Windy City Thunderbolts have named a new manager. It is. Richie Sexton, the former major leaguer, the former major league all-star, obviously a very big name for uh, Windy City to get here, a name that's probably well known. Uh, The only thing I will say about this is we are starting to see more and more former major leaguers and former major leaguers of note uh, start to, you know, pick up coaching careers in independent ball, in partner ball, and this seems to be the same kind of case here. I don't necessarily think that means that they're going to be an improved ball club or really have any sort of, you know, noticeable difference to them, especially being a, a rookie manager in this league. It's not exactly easy. And if you don't have the connections, as you heard in our interview this past week uh, with Michael Schlag, it's all about connections. You need to have them in this independent league ball. It is all about recruiting it is all about knowing guys to get them in and move them around and having the ability to be able to call on people on you know 10 hours notice to have somebody there for game day the following day so i hope he's good as a manager sexton but i'm not really going to get too excited until we see what he can do but i will admit it is a very 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 a uh, big name to bring in, especially into that greater Chicago region. And hopefully that can help uh, bring some people in. Hopefully he's a good manager. So uh, that's pretty much all I have for take-wise on the news. Uh, like I said, we were just going to go over everything rather quickly. We weren't going to go into too much detail because, again, uh, it's just me here this week. Not a big deal, though. So with that said, we'll go to the plugs. We'll get out of here. And everybody else can get on with the rest of their day. So if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at IndieBallReport. You can find the show wherever you find podcasts, Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, podcast sources everywhere, really. It doesn't, there's nowhere we're not at, at least that I know of at the moment. So, uh, yeah, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can, um, that being said, I really don't have anything left to add. We'll be back to a full house next week with another interview. Not quite sure who yet, but we will have someone uh, on there. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. And until next time, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>